This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor, joined here by the full squad with David, Brady, and Jordan. i uh, got a lot to talk about today. Um, Georgia State coming off a two-game series with Troy, Georgia State basketball that is. So we're going to have a breakdown of those games as well as previewing um, the slate of games we have on the upcoming part of the schedule. Heading down now into the dog days of uh, conference play, heading into the uh, conference tournament. Um, so we'll have a discussion on that. A uh, little bit of football news as well as baseball and softball also getting into action. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, Jordan, why don't you give us a quick recap of uh, the two games we just played against Troy? We actually got to play a full series. Uh, Break it down for us. That's right, Taylor. We did play a full series. I know it's kind of an alien concept here, but it was a good weekend for the Panthers. Friday night, an 80 to 66 win for Georgia State being a sloppy first half for both teams. Troy with 11 turnovers and the Panthers with eight, but Georgia State held a narrow 37-34 lead at the break. State opened the second half on an 8-0 run, and though Troy cut the lead back to five with 15 minutes, one second left to play, the Panthers answered with a 14-2 run of their own to push the lead up to 63-46, and it would stay in double digits the rest of the way. Kane Williams, Corey Allen, and Jalen Thomas all co-led Georgia State with 15 points apiece. Saturday, a 65-53 win for the Panthers. The hot shooting coming at the start of the game as Georgia State rode a 7-of-15 performance from behind the arc and 15 Troy turnovers in the first half to a 33-21 lead at the break. The lead got as high as 17 in the second half, but Troy stayed in it and trimmed it all the way to 44-38 with 12-25 left in the game. However, Georgia State was able to push the lead back up to double digits within a minute and held it there pretty much the rest of the way on their way to a weekend sweep. So, gentlemen, what are our thoughts about this weekend of Troy games? So the whole playing two games and playing a whole series and doing it at home for the first time, I feel like I'm leading with the good that the games actually happened stance every time we do these discussions, but that's just the way that the season has been. This conference season has been. So of course that part of it is the best news that they played. Uh, But once you get past that, you really, we're going to get into the nitty gritty on the, uh, what happened in the games a little bit, but winning by double digits in two games, you really can't complain too much about that. It was two wins Georgia State needed. It was two games that didn't go down to the final minute. Uh, the Saturday game got a little bit dicier than the Friday game, but still two games you ended up winning by double digits anyway. And two wins Georgia State needed. They've got three game winning streak going, going back to last week. And so some momentum starting to build towards the end of the year, which is when you want to start playing your best basketball. Absolutely. Uh, I think that they... They played well in both games. I definitely think that they did. Um, They looked really energetic early on on Friday. You know, they were diving for loose balls. They were, you know, forcing turnovers. And, you know, that'll be a common theme. So hold on to that note. Um, But I thought they looked really good on Friday, you know, and then. Saturday, they looked even better through the first half. I mean, anytime you can force 15 turnovers and a half is ridiculous. Um, They forced Troy to commit 15 turnovers in the first half, 23 in the game. Um, You're right. It did get close. A 17 point Georgia state lead dropped down to six. Um, 
but honestly, it was more so just Troy kind of keying in on what Georgia State wanted to do offensively, um, and that being get the ball to Jalen Thomas and have him be the only one score. Um, and Troy also stopped committing turnovers at. And so, but the game still wasn't, it didn't feel as close as that kind of run that Troy went on, you know, basketball is a game of runs. So it didn't really feel that close in my estimation. Um, I, you know, I don't know if anybody else has a difference of opinion there, but really good weekend for the Panthers. Really good that they got out there and played as well as they did in both games. It's not a normal season where, uh, you know, full, Everyone plays, so you get up by 20, 25, and you get to play, you know, the entire bench. It's been a weird year with all that and with, you know, guys available, guys not available. But I guess in that vein, the thought would be that it was a game that you were up by 17 and you had won comfortably the night before. And so I think it got a little bit stressful in those couple of minutes and had the potential to get out of hand. And uh, in his postgame, Coach Lear talked about how he did like that that it got to that situation. They played their way out of it and ended up being fine because this is the time of year where you're going to have those situations crop up. But I think anytime you've got a comfortable lead and it stops being as comfortable, even if it was only six and even if it didn't last for that long and everything ended up being fine, it's still something where I think just you want to avoid those situations because if you're playing the conference tournament, you've got a comfortable lead and you let it, team back in the game when you really don't need to. I mean, you know how those games have a tendency to get away from you at that point. And so the simplest way is to uh, not hit some of those offensive lulls that he did in the second half. Um, it was kind of a bizarro switch. Both games felt similar in a lot of ways, but they also switched which half Georgia state was shooting the ball well in because Friday night team didn't shoot well in the first half. Uh, they just shot two of 10 from three, but then came out five of eight from three in the second half and 17 of 28 as a whole for just under 61%, which I mean, it was a fantastic offense performance the second half on Friday. And then you get to Saturday and it's the reverse. The team was seven of 15 from three in the first half, one of 11 in the second half. And I think that that's what it was, is that Georgia state just stopped scoring and Troy actually hit their only real hot stretch of the game on Saturday where they were hitting some threes. Uh, they were, I think they scored on three or four straight possessions. And so that's what led to it. It was just the culmination of the best that Troy played on the afternoon and the worst stretch Georgia state played. But end of the day, like I said, two double digit wins, wins you can bank. You're now above 500 in some belt play. Um, and you mentioned a little bit Jalen Thomas. Uh, he's been playing great. He's been playing great. This weekend, he scored 15 and 16. Yeah, any chance, anytime you have the opportunity to set your career high and then in the very next day set it again, um, you're probably doing something right. Jalen Thomas had a phenomenal weekend. And, you know, if you... If you look at it and, you know, you realize that, okay, Aaliyah didn't necessarily have the best weekend, you know, he didn't play bad, I will say, you know, but he wasn't as active on in rebounding and, you know, those drives to the basket and putbacks, you know, that what we have seen from him, you know, we didn't necessarily see this weekend, but it's so nice that Georgia state has two bigs that are able to, you know, kind of play off of each other in that respect, you know, when one's not doing 
too much on the on the boards the others picking up the slack or you know when one's not doing too much offensively the other one's picking up the slack you know and it's it's really nice because georgia state kind of in their recent history they've had some good big men i don't want to say that they haven't you know but you'll have only one of them and you know they'll have a great game every couple weeks if you will you know they're they're not, not bad but it's just been such a guard dependent school and program for the past few years. So it's really nice that you can have a weekend or, you know, a stretch of games where it's like, okay, Aleel's going to take over and just, you know, he's going to get that double double that he's always searching for. All right. Well now Jalen Thomas is really getting comfortable and, you know, he's hitting that top of the basket, sorry, that top of the key little jumper that he's kind of perfected in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's getting rebounds and blocking shots and affecting the way that teams are going at the the basket from a Georgia State defensive perspective. And it's really nice to see that Georgia State has those options and that versatility. Yeah, I think LAL and Jalen play off each other. They complement each other really well. What they each offer, particularly at the defensive end, I would say, really is a good combination. And I think it's why you've seen them starting together and them playing a lot more minutes together uh, as they've both been able to play. Um, Jalen, he's got really quick feet for a big guy and he's able to hang on the perimeter and he's able to come up and put a hand up and it's, you know, he's tall. It's a big hand to put in the face of a guy in the perimeter and LAL just cleans up on the boards, always is putting max effort in there. And so I think that while you want to see Jalen continue to build on that side of things, and that's not to say he hasn't rebounded the ball, uh, he just doesn't necessarily have what LEL has, which isn't to say it's really a dig. It's really about how just of just a monster inside LEL is in that regard. I want, he continues to grow in that regard and he can continue to, but in the meantime, it works out well. They play off each other well. And like you say, it's creating some kind of big tandem that Georgia state hasn't really seen, at least since we've been following the program. Um, we took, we can talk about the guards now because the guards sort of did their own things that they're good at. And it really worked out well because in both games, Justin Roberts had nine assists. Corey Allen was making shots. He, he was taking good looks in both games and some of them weren't falling from three. So maybe just that's a little bit of the percentages coming back down to earth after he had been shooting above 50 from three on the year. But it wasn't a situation where you're thinking, you know, Corey stopped taking that shot. Like there were good looks. They just weren't falling. And then the guy who I think is maybe fallen the hardest and gotten maybe the most criticism from us fans, you know, who, what have you is Kane Williams and Kane had a great weekend. He was doing a lot of what he is good at and not trying to overexert and trying to do too much. And he improved his a uh, 3% shooting on the season. I think he's up to around 25% uh, shooting, but it's because he was setting his feet. He was getting a rhythm looks and it wasn't a situation where he was trying too hard to score the points and to get the shots up. And so I think as a result of that, you saw some more efficient offense from him and more of the assisting and on the defensive end working really hard and really encouraging to see. And if the guys are honing in on, okay, I'm going to do what I am good at right now. And if they're all doing that simpatico, that bodes really well for this end stretch of the season when you want to hit your best basketball. 
if I told you that Kane didn't have a single turnover in the second game, would you believe me? I mean, like inherently by you telling me it, probably I wouldn't expect you to lie to me. <laughs> hey, you never know. You're right? a trustworthy fellow. <laughs> well, now I'm going to assume that everything you tell me is going to be lies now. <laughs> well, that's not fair. One of us um, tells true stats. One of us tells false stats. <laughs> No, but seriously, I, I can't tell if it was a design philosophy that Coach Lanier installed where uh, Justin Roberts was going to have the ball a lot more. Um, but even when Kane did have the ball in his hands, you know, he seemed like he was controlling it a lot more this weekend. You know, there were still I think he did have a few turnovers on Friday um, and a couple of them were of the same kind of bonehead that boneheaded nature that we have been, you know, kind of harping on Kane for, you know, but all in all, when he did have the ball in his hands this weekend, he aired last weekend, he definitely looked a lot better. Um, and I don't know if coach Lanier is going to want Justin to play more of the point guard position and kind of move guys around. I don't know if Kane is going to be, you know, the primary ball handler going forward, but even if he is, if he's, you know, taking care of the ball like he was this weekend, Georgia State is not going to have many problems on offense at all. So with this series against Troy behind us, that leaves uh, App State coming to town on Tuesday uh, to make up one of our previous or one of Georgia State's previous uh, postponed games from earlier in the season. The state will hit back on the road to face South Alabama two more times uh, in Mobile to end the regular season. Where do we feel like, given the context of what we just saw over the weekend, um, what's the trajectory of this team heading into the home stretch um, to end the regular season, heading into uh, conference tournament play? A trajectory is pointing up, and there's definitely been more times in the since conference play started that you could say the trajectory was pointing down. So in that regard, that alone is a good thing, but it's going to be somewhat of a meeting of the hot teams in the East. Uh, South Alabama is currently on an eight game win streak. They swept app state this weekend and uh, they, I don't know that they have a lock on the one seed in the East. I, it's going to be dependent on win percentage. I don't know that for sure that that's the case, especially if Georgia state were to beat them twice, but they are in this driver's seat as far as winning the division, but Georgia state's in second right now uh, on percentage. And that could, they could uh, have their place improved. If after the time we record coastal Carolina were to lose to Georgia Southern, which that game is happening tomorrow at the time of recording, that would be Sunday. Um, and so after all that we've been through, the point of all this is that after all that the cancellations have happened and after the postponed games and after not playing Georgia state's in a good position where if they just win their games, they probably have a chance of being the two seed, maybe the one seed in the East, which given they were languishing in the bottom, just partly because of not playing games and having a uh, below 500 record. It's a, it's a good place to be in. It's certainly, you know, it's certainly not what we expected a few weeks ago, just given all the cancellations and kind of how poor they looked back in that coastal series in uh, Conway and then against the App State before, you know, obviously this is not going to be the same matchup with Georgia State and App State. You know, I think Georgia State is playing a little bit better 
than they were back then in that app state series. Um, you know, it's a pity that they won't get both games, but if they, you know, finish out the home stand, you know, the, their home, their seasons, home games with a win against the app state and, you know, split the South Alabama games. I really like Georgia state's chances in the tournament because of just how fresh they are. And, you know, we, you know, we always talk about peaking at the right time with teams and, you know, that's, it seems like Georgia state is, you know, at the bottom of what would be a peak just given how they've played the last couple of games and weeks. All right, so let's go ahead and kick off discussion for this week's Tools of the Game segment, which of course is our segment where we break down this week's matchup and reveal our thoughts about what both the Panthers and their opponent will need to do to win the game. Tools of the Game is brought to you by Crawford Tool. The folks at Crawford Tool have been Panther Athletic Club members and football season ticket holders since 2010, and now Thursday night podcast listeners can enjoy 10% off Crawford Tool's entire catalog of quality hand tools, toolkits, and supplies with code THURS at checkout. That's code THURS, T-H-E-R-S. Thursday night does get a percentage of all eligible purchases, so if you want to pick up some great tools at even better prices and help support our efforts along the way, visit www.crawfordtool.com and use code THURS at checkout. Thanks, Crawford Tool, for supporting the podcast. So I think to David's point about this not being the same Georgia State team as when Georgia State last played App State, the thing in that series was just the defensive mentality and just the energy on the defensive end that app state had in both games. And the Georgia state was just in a funk really on both sides of the ball, but on the defensive end, they just were not matching them. And it just, they were not prepared. And it was not surprising based on that, that app state won both games. And I think that even when there were some lulls on offense, and even when there were stretches where Troy was making baskets this last series, that energy was there most of the 80 minutes of basketball Georgia State played against Troy. And so given that, if that's the one thing that they take into this game against App State on Tuesday, if that's the only thing that for sure that they have, they're going to be in a good place because Georgia State's a tough team to beat in sports arena. And that was the thing that they were missing. I think if they had had that, even if all of the other aspects of Georgia State's game that weren't working in that series against App State, be it turning over the ball a lot, just not making enough shots, even if they just had matched App State's intensity, I think that that could have maybe gotten them across the line in one of those games. And so for this game, I think making sure that that's your focus from the opening tip because App State's in a rut. They're going to want to get out of it. They want to see a win before they hit the conference tournament again. And you've got a pretty good bet that they're going to be bring that because you saw them do that in both games you played them previously. So for me, my tool of the game is just going to be bringing it on defense, come what may. I guess, you know, my tool would probably be keep that shoot, keep the shooting stroke consistent and, you know, don't be afraid to come off of the three point shot. Um, I, you know, the, I think it was uh, Dave Cohen had said something or, you know, it was the app guys, whoever was broadcasting that game. You know, they mentioned how Corey Allen didn't have a great game in uh, Appalachian States arena last year. And it kind of, you know, scared him if you will this year he was only two for seven in the first game of the two um and it just he did not have a good shooting weekend that weekend and i think it 
you know, it'll definitely be really important for the Panthers to, if the three shot is working, keep it. If it's not working, kind of run some offense because, you know, we've talked about the offensive walls all season. And while I think App State is better than Troy, you know, Troy wasn't able to take advantage of Georgia State's lulls outside of cutting the 17-point deficit down to six on the Saturday game. Um, App State is a better team, and App State's guards killed Georgia State when they played in Boone. So that's definitely going to be important for Georgia State to keep up, you know, keep pace with the offense. And if you're a team that is scoring and capable of scoring in the 80s per game, you need to be doing that. You need to be, you know, forcing the tempo and forcing the offense and making sure that that's something that you're trying to to do yeah bring it forward to also talk about the south alabama games right now um with with the greatest respects to troy and to what scott cross is building there because i think he's a good coach i pipped them in the uh preseason fireside chat of basketball to be kind of a sneaky there might be better than expected and that hasn't really played out i still think Long term, there's something building there. But right now, I think it is fair to say Georgia State should be double digit points better than. And they were this weekend, but these three games are against teams that's not true against. And it's a team in App State that did that to you when you played them the last time you played. And it's a team in South Alabama that is the most just the hottest team in the Sunbelt right now and who just you previously. And so I think that uh that's important to consider uh, taking the positives from what you've just gone through with wins, but not necessarily taking away too much and thinking too much of it. Cause it's, it's tough games. And I just got to say in a season where a lot of, I don't want to say fun cause it makes it seem like I'm all dour, 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 but a lot of the anticipation got taken away cause it wasn't East West games going on. You know, Georgia state didn't end up playing Little Rock, who seemed like they were probably going to be the hot name on the West and seemed like uh, that would have been a fun matchup to have. And given that Georgia State has been in these games where they're coming off a lot of rest, even the games where they've played the quote, quote, good teams, you know, there's still been a little bit of like, well, we've got to see how Georgia State is after not playing for a while or the other way with the other team. This matchup with South Alabama with them being as hot as they've been with Georgia state being hot and with all of them being off of live action, it should be a, a damn good two games. It should be some really exciting basketball to end the regular season. You know, like you said, the schedule is different. So it, it looks different than what we thought it would be, you know, going into the basketball season back in November, but this is exactly what, you know, Sunbelt basketball is about. This is the, these are the games that, you know, that make or break who you think is going to do well in the tournament and really kind of determine seating and, you know, how things fall from there. So switching focus to football, we do have a bit of a uh, mini coaching shuffle to report on here. Um, it was first reported by Ben Moore of 247 Sports on Wednesday that this last week, um, offensive line coach Thomas Austin would be leaving to take a coaching position at Clemson. On Thursday, multiple reports came out, first from ESPN's Adam uh, Rittenberg, that uh, Aman Nagavi was going to be hired to replace Austin and joining the Georgia State coaching staff. A little bit of information about him. Um, Nagavi has been the same position position at the University of Louisiana Monroe since 2017, adding to that the title of offensive coordinator for the 2020 season. 
following that, uh, head coach, uh, Matt Vieter from McNeese state, where he coached, uh, 2011 to 2012 and from 2015, 2016, and where he played his college uh, career as well. In between his stints at McNeese, uh, Nagavi was an assistant offensive line, uh, coach at Texas. So excited to add him to the, uh, to the roster. Um, what does this mean? Especially we had had conversations on previous, uh, pod episodes about kind of the state of the offensive line, uh, coming back to Georgia state, having returning five guys, you got the same five, uh, you had out there last year, um, ostensibly one of the stronger units on the team. What do we think this might lead to in terms of where that leaves the consistency and, um, kind of the state of the Georgia state offensive line heading into the 21 season? So we've talked a lot about how annuity, the coaching staff and the players was going to be an important thing to continue to build on the last two seasons of winning football. But given that, if you had to like gun to my head, say, where can we, if, if one position coach has to go, where would it be? I would probably say offensive line. Cause it's coach Elliott's thing. And that I figured with the starters returning that they'd be able to get an attractive experienced name to come and take the job. And none of that's to say that Thomas Austin hasn't been a great offensive line coach here because he has been, and it'll be a loss because he was doing a lot of good for the team. But I think because of where the unit is, as you say, a guy who's coached at this level, who's got some power conference experience, I believe, I don't know whether he started in this or not, but before he was going to be the Georgia state offensive line coach earlier in this off season, when Steve Sarkeesian was putting his staff together at Texas, he was taking on some kind of off the field role there. A guy that is still valued in the minds of good offensive. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is one of the hottest names in offensive college football right now. Just got the job at Texas. And so I think it speaks to all of this speaks to should be able to come in and just keep everything rolling as it has been, because it's a good offensive line. All five starters are back. And this is a guy who by all accounts is going to be able to get everything done to keep that. And all that we've seen from the offensive line, the last couple of seasons going. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously, you know, when your team does well, your good coaches get poached. So, you know, I, obviously Thomas Austin, you know, thanks for your service, I suppose. And, you know, good luck going back to Clemson, but I'm sure this is going to be a good hire and continue. I feel like, Coach Elliott has absolutely earned the benefit of the doubt for the decisions that he's made. Um, you know, I can't think of a single side of the ball where the coach is the problem necessarily. Um, so, you know, I, with baited uh, with less baited breath than I would otherwise, I'm excited to see how the offensive line, you know, continues. And, you know, if it's a new voice that's giving them instruction, then I'm sure it's going to still be a good one. All right. One more thing before we get you guys out of here this week, we did want to give a little bit of time and shout out to baseball and softball, whose seasons have both started recently. Baseball, of course, getting underway with a four game series against number 14 ranked West Virginia this weekend at the GSU baseball complex. Friday's season opener was a three to five loss. But on Saturday, the Panthers earned their first ranked wins under head coach Brad Stromdahl. First game was a seven six win and the second an epic 20 to four thrashing of the Mountaineers. Softball also swept North Carolina A&T on Saturday with 11-2 and 12-4 wins, respectively. Their season began on February 12th, and their record as of Saturday night stands at 5-2. 
Baseball will complete their four-game series with West Virginia Sunday afternoon, while softball is set for a doubleheader at UNC Wilmington also on Sunday afternoon. So we'll keep an eye on what's going on with them and other Panther sports developments. But as always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Thursday night community. And we will catch you next week with hopefully some more great Georgia State sports news. See ya. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.